Welcome to Desire Made Real, a Discovery of Witches podcast where we recap every episode of the television show, spoiler-ish free. I'm one of your hosts, Mandy Kay, and when I'm not talking about Matthew and Diana, I am building settlements in Fallout 4 because that is my current obsession. Interesting. Uh, And I'm Caitlin, and I'm not talking about a Discovery of Witches. I'm currently reading Down Comes the Night by Alison Saft, which is a fun sort of fantasy, murder mystery, romance. But if you were looking for an escape from uh, medical diagnoses, this is not the book for you, which I didn't realize when I was going into it. So that's a fun time. But it's, it's a pretty good book, I guess. Okay. I have been reading The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by uh, V.E. Schwab, uh-huh. my first book of 2022. It's really good, but I haven't finished it yet. I, each week, we'll recap the episode, kind of spoiler-free. We'll also include a segment at the end to discuss the books, how well the adaptation works, and we will likely dive into spoilers there, but don't worry, we might give you plenty of warning before we get there. <laughs> Maybe. Episode 5 was written by Lisa Holdsworth and directed by Debs Patterson again. Debs Patterson is like MVP director this season. Yeah, I like it. All right, I guess we just jump in. Yeah, I was going to look up, do I know anything about this Debs Patterson person? Um, apparently she's working on the new Willow series. Oh, that's She works on The Rise of Skywalker. Hmm. I am Neat. excited for the new Willow series. I am excited about the idea of it. I'm not sure how I feel when it actually comes out. Right. <laughs> you didn't grow up with the movie. No, we watched it on PCD. So. Yes, I, I did listen to that episode. I know you didn't <laughs> like it that much. I like the idea of it, though. And I really yeah. like uh, What's-His-Face. And the um, like the, the promo stuff they've done for the show has mm-hmm. been fantastic. Like yeah. They have a great sense of humor. I think it's going to be great. But, yeah. Warwick Davis. Yes, that's his name. Morgan when he said, what's his name? I was like, I know exactly who you mean. But yeah, was, like I can see his face me. in my head and I'm like, I don't know his name. What's his name? Warwick Davis. That's it. Anyway, Discovery yes. of Witches. So we open with a christening and a funeral. And um, at first we also opened with like a really sad sounding song. And I was like, they're preparing for a christening. Why is this so sad? And then when it cuts to the funeral, I was like, right, Timothy. Yeah. Agatha and Diane are the only ones who go to his funeral, and that's so sad. Yeah. And Agatha has that, like, really sad line afterwards where she's like, I don't know if it's what he would have wanted, but I didn't know him. Yeah. Like, oh, poor dude. Yeah. The song is called, um, well, I'm assuming it's called Tomorrow because it's called TMRW, but I'm assuming Mm. you just say Tomorrow. Right. By Milk and Bone, I think. Yeah, Milk and Bone. Never heard of them. But that's... okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't remember the music. You you always pay way more attention to the music than I do. I like music. Um, but I did enjoy watching Isabeau come alive as she's getting Satora ready for people. It was hard to think that she was in a good mood because the song was so depressing. Eh, that's fair. I didn't listen to the words. Oh, even just the sound of it, though. It was like oh. this slow, quiet thing. I don't know. Okay. But yeah. She's approving some flowers, and I don't know. There's a lot of... Do you think she's hired humans to decorate, or do you think those are just, like, real low-down vampires? I, you know, I think it's they're probably humans. Because my first thought, especially later, was that, wow, Chris is brave. Like, Chris and Phoebe are the only two humans here. And then I was like, well, no. Like, all of the staff that she's hired are probably humans. And, like, the priest was human, right? So was he? Do we know that for one hundred percent? In the book, he was. Yeah. So I assume he was here too. In the book, I feel like they make mention that the um, the village around Scepter kind of kind of knows. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. not like one hundred percent knows, but knows. You know. Yeah. If that makes any sense. So I can see where if they hired locally, everybody there would just be like, "Ooh, we get to go to the vampire house." Right. <laughs> Nobody goes behind those walls. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of how I feel about it. I also, like, just after the end of the funeral when Diana and Agatha are talking, I do just love the two of them as allies. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad, even if we had to cut out so many of the witches that are from the in the book, that we do have Agatha here being like a... Because she's in the book a lot less. And yeah. 
I do. I, I like her. I like her a lot. And the actress is amazing. So. Yeah. I think we're definitely pro Agatha here. Yes. And and I, I also like that, you know, she doesn't coddle Diana. She's just like, well, you, you better fix it. Yeah. You know, take the congregation down. I don't, I don't remember exactly how she worded it, but she's she's not given any shit, you know, especially having just attended Timothy's funeral when Peter Knox has killed yet again. <sighs> Fucking Knox. Although this is a Knox-free episode. Until we get to the next up for next the scenes from next week. Yeah, but I don't want to. And we those. get a smarmy little face. Like, he doesn't speak. It's just his face. And I'm like, ugh. I really want to make one of our episode titles fucking Peter Knox, but we can't because Apple Podcasts will ding us. <laughs> but, like, I want to so badly. I feel like we've we've done something like that before. Probably. It's probably we hate Peter Knox or something. Yeah. I'll have to go back and look. I hate that man. Although in this episode, I really hate your bear. <sighs> he's he's campaigning for, for dick of the year here. Yeah. That's a Buffy so, quote. No, it's not. <laughs> Bitch of the year. There we go. Um... Speaking of Gerbert, when we come back from the opening credits, when we come back from the opening credits, we're in Venice with Gerbert and Baldwin. And I have a question. Mm. There's an invitation to the christening on Gerbert's desk. Is that because Gerbert was invited or Baldwin is showing him this thing? Baldwin is showing it to him. They would never invite Gerbert. Right. That's what I was thinking. And I was just really confused. (laughs) No. They don't like Gerbert. Gerbert doesn't like them. Gerbert. Gerbert. He's a little fucking bastard. He is. And he's like, like he is basically talking about, like, I, I guess I can't go so far as to say genocide here because he doesn't want to, like, wipe out an entire population of people. But he literally says every threat to the existing order must be extinguished. And he's talking about babies. And, like, how can he just be so cavalier about people's lives? I can't. I, I can't. I just cannot with him. I guess immortality hits some people in certain ways where they just stop caring about people who aren't immortal. Yeah. Baldwin surprised me here because he flat out says, I won't kill my brother's children, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But of course, he does still hedge his bets a little bit and says he'll assess them and deal with it. And, you know, he agrees with Gerber that they could be problematic. I love that there's these two millennia old vampires that are feel, feeling so threatened by, like, weeks old babies. Like. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> how, how to be insecure and immortal. But for, for Baldwin specifically, I do think that he, like, he has family loyalty. He doesn't want to mm-hmm. make a complete enemy of Matthew. And. Also, I think Baldwin knows that if he tried to kill the children, it wouldn't work out well for him or any of them. Right. Because they've got witches and demons and vampires. Like, they've got, it's not just Matthew that they have to worry about. Um, But also, but like, when you say Hedge's bets, I feel, maybe this I'm bringing over from the book. Because I don't think Baldwin is uh, terribly clear about it here. But I do think he genuinely feels like he's doing what Philippe wanted him to do by upholding the covenant. And that he genuinely feels like Philippe wouldn't have wanted these children, even though we know differently. Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't matter. The children are here. No, yeah, I agree. It's like, it's I mean, great. I think that's that's where I am on this. Like, it just it doesn't matter because they're, the children are here. It's time to just let it go. But Gerber is still whispering in his ear. Like, I honestly, I don't know that Baldwin, if Gerber wasn't pushing the congregation as hard as he is, I don't know that Baldwin and Matthew would have this level of conflict. No, I agree. So, and I think that's what I mean when I say he's hedging his bets. Right. Um, because he's... He's kind of keeping one foot in the congregation and one foot in his family and trying to figure out which way is going to give him the best outcome. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess Baldwin just doesn't know what side to choose currently. And so he's trying to sort of appease both and it's not working out well for him. Yeah. Let's but... move on to Scepter. We're happy things. 
Isabel meets the babies. Finally. And Jack. <laughs> she meets Jack, too. Yeah. Yeah. My my whole note here is Isabeau meets the babies and welcomes Sarah and meets Jack. I just love Isabeau. Yeah. The family's That's all my together. <laughs> like, she makes it a point to, like, welcome everybody. Mm-hmm. And you can see just how, God, how much she has grown mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. the first season. And she is... She is taking her role as the matriarch of this family seriously. Like, she is stepping into Philippe's shoes here, and it's beautiful. It, I love it. Yes. And I don't think I don't think of her as the matriarch of the family, but I understand what you're saying. I mean, really, that's Diana. But yes. She, then, she, holds the, she holds the position of, like, the oldest. So yes. That's what I mean. Um, and I, I really do love her friendship with Sarah and that they've really stressed it i suppose because mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's not that well i guess because the books are from diana's point of view so we don't get a lot that she doesn't see obviously i do, i i like that even though they had to cut so much they also add in a lot of these mm-hmm. little relationship things yeah it's great yep this next scene is weird to me um sarah goes to the temple to visit M. Mm-hmm. um and something happens and Sarah, like, sees her. I couldn't, I still don't know what it is. Is it, is it like, the sun shone through the clouds and there's, like, these rays of light? Was it, like, this foggy, smoky thing? I'm unclear. I think it was the sun shone through the clouds and she had a nice moment with nature. And also there was a butterfly. And just okay. because of what was happening there, she just, she just felt close to M. Like, M was with her there. Okay. Because um, I watched it twice and I I couldn't tell. Like, I could tell that something happened and she, like, her face and everything, she was just in awe and everything was great. And she's like, oh, it's, thank you, I love you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but I don't actually understand what happened. <laughs> I feel like that was maybe the show doing, like, a callback to the ghosts, you okay. know, to say yeah. that, like, Emily's still sort of there with her, but right. not there. Okay. Kind That's of. That's fair. Yeah. Um, then we get Isabeau and Marta holding the babies. Yeah, my note here is just Isabeau finally holding a baby. <laughs> I love this scene. They're just sitting on the couch holding the babies. Yep. Just holding the babies, talking about the christening and everything. And, um, you know, they're expecting a lot of people. And we're really about to find out who's on their side and who's not based mm-hmm. on who comes to celebrate the christening. Um, I think this is also the first time that we get, like, Philip seems to be the quiet, happy baby, while Rebecca is the loud, angry one. Yes. This is also, I think, the first time they talk about Rebecca being hungry. Yeah. All the time. Yep. So. And then we go to the less happy part of this episode. We switch to a German witch who walks by Benjamin and then suddenly is in Poland with him. And he's calling her Diana. And it's it's creepy. It is creepy. She does look like Diana, though, especially later in the episode when she's right before she escapes. Um, so much I so. I honestly didn't even notice. Yeah. So in the first, my first watch through, mm-hmm. when they showed that scene in the next on, mm-hmm. like I legitimately thought Benjamin had kidnapped Diana. Oh. <laughs> because she looks so much like Teresa Palmer um, in that scene. But, I mean, obviously she's not, but. It's, I had forgotten about Benjamin and his experiments from the book when I saw this episode and I texted you yep. immediately like, ugh, I forgot this happened. It was hilarious um, although, to me because it's such a big part of the book. I know. And I completely forgot. And it's, but it's not a big part of the show. No. Um, they have completely stripped down what Benjamin is doing here. and. It's it's easy to gloss over it and not even focus on the fact that he's raping these women. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very glad that they don't put anything on screen. But oh, absolutely. Still do a good job of leaving it to your imagination and thus it's still not great. Yeah. Yeah, no, this I hate this part. Um and they they don't however ever talk about the significance of poland not in this episode do they do they talk about that later i don't think they do later either but maybe we can talk about that 
next week. Yeah. But, yeah, Benjamin sucks. But they never really talk about, I don't think, or I guess they put in enough that if you've read the books, you get it. But I don't think people who haven't read the books would get why he's kidnapping these witches, what he wants, why he's not getting what he wants. Yeah, they never talk about, I think they do a good job of explaining what he wants when Lena shows up to Sator and is giving the messages to Matthew and Diana later this episode. Mm. I mean, it's pretty clear he's trying to sire children because Diana and Matthew have children. And so he wants that same power. And But it's it's certainly not clear in the show, like, what's special about Matthew and Diana that allowed this to happen. Right. Which is why Matt Benjamin can't replicate it. Yeah. I Well, yeah. I mean, I guess unbeknownst to Benjamin, he did have children in the book, but he didn't know about them, I don't think. Yeah. Well, anyways, <laughs> we're back to Rebecca, the baby, being fuzzy. And <laughs> Marta has this hugely, hugely dramatic line where she like pointedly looks at Diana and is like, maybe it's not milk she needs. And then the camera like does this dramatic pan down to a knife. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And it's like, hey, oh, I guess that is in the book. I was going to say we've seen Diana like cut herself with her magic, which would be much more uh, sanitary. But that that's in the book, I remember. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, she tries the blood and it works. Well, before Baby that, girl. We, we get Jack and Matthew together, which I just love any time that they're having a good moment. But, I mean, they're talking about Benjamin, so I don't know that it's a good moment. But I'm just glad that everybody's back in the same space and we're not all separated over the world again. Yeah. My favorite thing about this scene is that Matthew is smiling. Yes. You know, he's standing over the cradles that they've made and Jack is there and, you know, Jack and Isabeau like each other and Matthew's just happy. Yeah. Everyone's getting along except for his grumpy older brother, but. Right. Forget yeah. him. Um, in this conversation, we find out that Jack has not actually been exploring the castle. Sorry, the chateau. <laughs> Um, he's been patrolling because Benjamin has disappeared and he's worried that Benjamin's going to hurt the twins, which I think is adorable. Like he's, he's less worried about Benjamin coming after him, even though what Benjamin has done horrible things to him. Yeah. He's worried about the twins. Jack has gone to protect full big brother, but not grumpy big brother, like Baldwin, but like exactly cute big big brother. Yeah. Because he's the baby vampire, but now there's actual babies. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then they do this weird, like, I guess the show is trying to let us know that vampires can hear blood. And so there's this weird sound effect. And all of a sudden, Jack's like, whose blood is that? And Matthew runs away. And then he finds Diana feeding, who we know will become Rebecca. But at this point, she's just baby girl to Claremont. Oh, no. We know their first names. I didn't think we did. No, in the last episode, they talked about them. Did they? Jesus, I don't remember that. Okay. Yep, they gave them because they were sitting was when they were sitting on the floor. Oh, mm-hmm. I just remember saying I, I that she should be in a bed, and I completely forgot everything else they talked about in that scene. They gave them their first names in that scene. Okay, so we knew Philip and Rebecca. Got yep. it. Okay, I love Diana in this scene. Matthew comes in like he's a full force. He is pissed. He's like, "What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. And Diana just looks at him and she's like. I'm feeding your daughter. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> it's beautiful. Like, she doesn't back down. She's like, I knew what she needed. I'm giving her what she needs. Um, and Matthew's just angry, and it doesn't make any sense. He does calm down, and he ends up apologizing. But he's just super angry at the idea, I guess, at the idea that she could be a vampire who has blood rage, and so he's still got all of that baggage cooped up inside of him. I think he's just super worried because they just don't know yet. Yeah. But this is also the first moment that Diana says she's willing to spellbind them. Yeah. If blood rage does come out and they don't have a cure. And while Matthew points out that, you know, that was done to her too, and it really affected her life and changed everything. And she, 
and I think Diana, they don't really dwell on it here, but comes to a, a point where they, where she forgives her parents for it because she understands now that she is a parent mm-hmm. that she would do whatever she needed, even if it. Yeah, because she's super defensive about her parents in this scene. Yeah. Like they did what they had to do and I will do what I have to do for my children. Yeah. So that's, um, I guess, a nice little moment. Yeah. I just put down that Matthew is a little broody, but he comes around. Yes, there is far less brooding in this episode. Yeah, thank God. Right. It's just, it's just happy babies. <laughs> and grumpy, grumpy Baldwin. But he's not really broody. Baldwin. He's just grumpy. Yeah. So then we get a small scene with Marcus and Phoebe. And okay, the setup of this scene makes no sense to me. Because Phoebe's getting ready. And she asks how she looks for a vampire christening. But then Marcus says that he won't be able to concentrate tomorrow. Right. And like, why are you getting ready the night before? Do you? Are you a toddler? Do you sleep in your outfit for the next day so you don't have to worry about it? Like, I, I have well, my doubts. Were you it just... could maybe she's just like doing a practice run, you like, know, making sure that understand. it looks okay and picking her outfit. But I can understand trying on a dress to make sure it fits right and doesn't like, you know, and is appropriate for a church. But she was putting in earrings. I know, and he he put the necklace on her. Yeah, like what the hell? I just, you just have to let it go. <laughs> That's all. It really doesn't make sense. I noticed it too, but I you just I think you just have to let it go. Okay. Uh, well, Phoebe talks about becoming a vampire and Marcus seems kind of torn about it and I really don't understand why. Right? Like he's kind of shocked that she said when I'll become a vampire, not if. Yeah. And I'm like, of course she want, you know, she wants to be with you forever. So, yeah. I don't know. I feel like they're giving Marcus completely unneeded drama here drama is i guess angst is the word i'm looking for because like why is he feeling conflicted about this probably because the last time he tried to sire somebody they died oh that's that's a fair point i mean he was gonna die anyway yeah because he got hit by the car but it didn't work like when we were introduced to marcus he he tried to save someone by siring them and it didn't work Okay. And siren were, fails. Yes. So. It, because of the, the vampire problem that's been happening. Yep. Yes. Okay. That one's fair that he's worried about it not working. Wonderful. They just haven't talked about it. Yes. And they, I think that needs to be something that had been said. Okay. I guess I didn't like the idea that they were maybe introducing Marcus not wanting her to become a vampire for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know. Yeah. I I, I but, don't get that sense. Like, it feels more like fear okay. to me. Him being worried, yes, I had completely forgotten about how the last time we saw a vampire be sired, it didn't work, and they died horribly, and Marcus was pretty torn up about it. So yeah. that all makes sense then. And then I think we see Jack holding Philip, which is so yeah. cute. It is. Matthew's a little bit overprotective in this scene. He's like, why don't you put the baby down? But he doesn't say that. He just said we should get him back to sleep. I think it's fine. It felt like Matthew was very concerned to find Jack alone holding Philip. I didn't get that sense. Um, but Matthew would never be. Con- he left. He left Jack alone with him. He literally said, "Watch Philip." Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just being overly paranoid, and what I'm watching. But it's clear he loves both of his boys. Yeah, and and um, Jack can hear uh philip's blood singing like like a witch Mm, yeah it's adorable because god jack is such a child like Mm -hmm. he's he's full of wonder like a child is and i love that he asks i wonder if he'll be able to cast spells and matthew says i think he already has yeah that was so cute it's, it's so cute like every scene with the babies is just it just makes me smile I just love them all together as a family. And I think yeah. this is the third time I've said it, but I don't care. Yeah. I love it. I know. I know. It is good. It's good. Unfortunately, we have to do a quick cut back to Poland and Benjamin, mm-hmm. um, where we learn that he has more than one witch captive now. Um, the first one, who I have written down as the fake Diana, gets I think herself her name free. is Lena. It is Lena, but oh, okay. we don't learn her name until later. Okay. Um, she does get herself free and manages to escape, but it turns out that Benjamin wanted her to so that she would go to Matthew. Yes. I'm for, so she casts a spell to get out of like the handcuffs in English, but she's 
she's a German witch. Uh, right. Why is she casting a spell in English? But whatever. And then I do love how they weren't even subtle about Benjamin, like, taking the watch off, putting it in the coat, leaving the coat where she could see it. Right? Yeah. 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 Benjamin thinks he's in control. And then we go back to the happy stuff. It's a tour. And everybody arriving. Ransom and Geraldine have arrived. Like, what? (laughs) I like Um, that we did get to see them again. They look great. mm Mm-hmm. Chris and Miriam come in. Every time I write down Chris in this in my notes, it's Chris mm-hmm. and Miriam. Like as a couple. They're they're together. Like I don't think they're actually together. I think there's some subtle subtext there that they're maybe more than friends. They I think they do start sleeping together in the books. In the books they do, for oh, okay. sure. Yeah. Um, but they haven't been explicit. It's just kind of been a look, a glance. They've been spending a lot of time together, and then Miriam brought him. Yeah. You know, so I I just love it. Um, Sarah's dressed in hobo chic. As per use. As per use. And we have Fernando, but no gallo glass. Yeah. He declined. And then we have Diana's amazing blue earrings. I Diana's, my note here is Diana's back in blue, because I don't think we've seen her in blue yet this season. Mm-mm. Or at least not, like, not noticeably. And usually when she's in blue, we're like, oh, she's in blue. Yeah, no, she's been wearing a lot of black and white. Yeah. Um, but she's got the blue pants on and the blue earrings, and yep. she's smiling. Like, it's just beautiful. And then Isabeau tells her that she thinks of her as a daughter, mm-hmm. and that she wishes Philippe were there, and it's beautiful. And then we have the christening, and like, okay. Every person possible as a godparent. Well, that too. But like... Matthew and Diana walk in holding the babies and everybody's already there watching. Is that how christenings go? I don't know. I'm not Catholic. Yeah, me neither. And then, But then, yeah, there's like 50, 100 godparents. I love it. So many godparents. <laughs> I love the idea that they just, they couldn't make a choice. So they were like, eh, everybody, I guess. Yeah. Do you think I don't... the priest rolled his eyes? <laughs> <laughs> they told him how many there were. Like, I guess yeah, there's many... two babies, but, like, come on. Right. So then you would think there would be four people, but I'm pretty sure there were, like, eight or ten people up there. Yeah. I don't even know who all was up there. It was... It was all the main characters. Well, Like, yeah. if you're a main character, you stood up. Yeah. No, I guess that's true. Maybe that's not true. Jack? No, Jack was up there. No, Jack was up there. Chris was up there? Yep. Um, Technically, I think Fernando was standing in for for Galaglass. Ah, okay, that would make sense. Um, I love that they gave Sarah part of the ceremony, so she gets to officially announce the names. Yeah, I do like that they. I mean, they did this in the book too, where after the Catholic ceremony, they had a a pagan ceremony. Yeah, that Sarah ran, and I think in the book they stepped out of the church for it, but I guess they didn't really have an outdoor set they could do. Right. Since they couldn't travel to France. Yeah, I don't remember the significance of all of the names. So if you do, please tell me. But we have Rebecca, mm-hmm. Ariel, Emily, Martha, which Rebecca, Emily, and Martha I get, but I don't know where Ariel came from. I don't remember that one either. And then we have Philip, Michael, Addison, Sorley. I know Sorley is one of Galloglass's names. Oh, but okay. also the rest of them I don't remember. I guess we should have looked this up. I didn't think about yeah. it. Like, I don't know where Addison came from. I'm just going to do a quick was... Google. Yeah, okay. Oh, Fernando is Rebecca's godparent, so I guess he was standing up on his own behalf also. But I am unsure about the name. Google doesn't want to tell me, and I'm too lazy to open a book. I bet we have listeners who know the answer. Well. I mean, as soon as we're done, I could grab a book, but I don't want to do it while we're, we are recording. I only remember sorely because uh, Diana mentioned it in the book since Galaglass didn't show up, that she was sad that he didn't get to hear her, yeah. them announce the name that was for him. I did write down a note here that has nothing to do with anything other than it must be so weird to be like an actor playing a priest, like especially if you are Christian or religious of any kind. That's just be mm-hmm. strange. And, like, performing a ceremony like that. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think actors are probably used to having to play things that just feel weird. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. 
And then Baldwin decides to make an entrance. Everyone's favorite dramatic older brother. Right? Like, who, like, comes in like that? He throws open the doors and strides in as loud as can be. And, like, if it were me, I would have come in as quietly as possible and, like, slunk into the back row. (laughs) Hoping nobody saw me. But he's just like, no, all eyes need to be on me. Apologies for my late arrival. And Matthew tries so hard in this scene to be forgiving and to love his brother and to hope that his brother is there for the best of the family. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's trying so hard. And Baldwin is just being an asshole. He freaking calls them a diseased, corrupt branch of the family. Like, there's no call for also, that. his pink tie is no good. It does not suit him at all. <laughs> Like it that's doesn't what suit, you notice. <laughs> doesn't suit his outfit. It like I'm all for a nice pink tie, but that one is no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially when he's berating his family on a very important celebration. Like, yeah. oh, it just this made me mad. And like on the heels of Matthew like being excited that Baldwin showed up. And hoping that this means that they can have some kind of reconciliation and then they have to fight. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like in the book, when they fought, Matthew beat him easily. And I really dislike that that didn't happen here. I don't remember. And it's like holding him down. Maybe he's holding Matthew down. Shit, I don't remember. I mean, Matthew is holding him down here. Like when he's yelling at him to let me go and Baldwin is saying, I can't, I can't. And then he says, I can't let you go. You have murder in your blood. Like, he's yelling that while Matthew's hands are, like, pushing his face into the wall. I guess. I just, I feel like it was more of a complete, I don't know. I wanted him to kick his ass more. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted, actually, Diana steps in and really all she does is a a display of power. Mm -hmm. Like, she doesn't do anything. But it's enough that he backs down because he sees that she could. Like, he already knows that she could take him down because she she did the chain thing a couple episodes ago. Because she did beat him before, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Diana is all full of wind and fire and power and poor the chapel that just gets cracked all to hell. But, um, yeah, Baldwin does at least relent enough for them to have a conversation. Sort of. I mean, he just sort of, like, says, well, if you'll, if, if, if you will, like, Diana promises to, um, spellbind anyone that needs spellbinding and so he's like fine take your scion and go now you're in charge of everyone including Mm -hmm. benjamin and then he very dramatically walks out just as dramatically as he walked in yes yes he did baldwin likes to ride the drama llama (laughs) uh you're not wrong (laughs) i guess but we have a scion officially yes so success good matt the the declaremont bishop scion is its own thing um, please imagine Jack unfurling the standard that he made, he designed for them. Mm. That was in the book, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, then we get Sarah asking Diana why she didn't use her weaver magic in the chapel, because everything that she did was elemental, mm-hmm. which is a great question. Um, I appreciate this scene. I think it's very Sarah, who's a very spell-based witch and doesn't right. really use element. I don't, I don't know if she can't, maybe she can't, uh, use elemental magic but yeah so it's, it's well, very her it is but this is also a callback to the end of last season because mm-hmm. last season when diana left goody also she didn't have the 10th knot yet yes um and so here she specifically says she would have used the 10th and final knot if baldwin had refused to see reason which is a knot of creation and destruction yeah, so Goody also talked about it a little bit last season. I do feel like here they're, this whole conversation is them just doing their best to set up the ending, even though they haven't had the time that the book has had to properly mm-hmm. set it up. You know what I mean? Right. But they had to tell us about this at some point. Yeah. Remind us or whatever. Yeah. Um, And Diana also talks about how she feels very strong in her magic, but she's also pretty sure that once she heals the book, her magic is going to get even stronger. Yes. Which is interesting, I guess. If It's hard to separate, like, what I know happens right, from them just talking about things like this. Because that's in... Why would healing the book 
affect her magic when as far as we know it at this point in time without spoilers it's just a grimoire that was very unfortunately made from the skin of sentient creatures right yeah so i can imagine like the book itself is powerful but it's unclear why the power of the book would impact her own power yes so it's also i think it's unclear that the book itself is powerful here we just know that it is because I mean, you can tell that it, the book is under um, a spell or something so that not everybody can call it up. Mm-hmm. But I, and then everybody wants it because nobody knows what's in it. There's just these legends about it. That's true. Everything that we know about it is really from legend. Yeah. There's, there's no actual fact at this point. So um, my, ma- my next note just says Matthew and Jack. I have no idea what happens in the next scene. My note also says Matthew and Jack again, um, but <laughs> they're walking around outside and they talk about not living with shame anymore and how maybe that's done more damage than the blood rage itself. And Jack mm. has like a man bun and I'm kind of unsure about it, honestly. Oh, no, I like the man bun. You on like Jack. it? Okay. I do. Okay. I think I'd like it if it was higher up, but he's got it like midway down and I'm like, eh, I don't know. I, I, I dig it. You dig it? Okay. That's just that's cool. me. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, then we go back to Venice. Congregation has been called. Still down a witch. There's an empty seat from Peter Knox. I love that they that they talk about um getting oh, I didn't write it down. Corrent or whatever the word is. Quorumed. Quorum. There we are. Because I've personally been at meetings where it's been fucking impossible to get quorum, so you can't vote on anything. Right. And it's just because <laughs> But that was like for organizations that I volunteered with. Mm-hmm. And we were always just like, uh, we can never vote on anything. And I just think it's hilarious that they're having that problem. Right. But the problem with that is that Gerbert's decided that, well, if the congregation isn't going to do what he wants, that he's just going to take over. And he announces his intention to the congregation and everybody just kind of sits there while he does this. Yeah. Like nobody protests. He looks so smug. To be fair, he kind of just says, he specifically says that the congregation doesn't have any discipline anymore, so the vampires will take care of this problem. He doesn't say, I will take care of this problem, although obviously that is what he means. And by this problem, he means the babies that he is terrified of for some reason and wanting to, quote unquote, quarantine them, which I'm pretty sure means experiment on them, which (laughs) is really fucking disturbing, Javert. Yeah. I do like that Agatha calls him on it and is like, why are we talking about killing babies? Yeah. And he's like, I'm not going to kill them. We're just going to quarantine them. Yeah. Shut up, Jerry. His smug, stupid face is almost as bad as Knox's. Yes. Not quite as bad, but almost. Almost. But then we get Diana doing some magic for the babies and it's pretty cute. It is. It's completely adorable. But then Lena shows up. I was just as an aside, I wish we got more scenes between Diana and Jack because we don't get to see them talk. And I know she just had babies and is busy and tired and everything. So I understand why. But I just wish we got some Diana and Jack scenes because I love the two of them. Yeah. The Diana and Jack scenes were so great. Like when Jack first showed up. Yeah. This season. But um, this is where we find out for sure what Benjamin is doing. We find out that he's trying to have children with witches. Mm -hmm. And he delivers essentially messages to Diana and Matthew from Benjamin. Yes, though I think it's clear from this scene that Matthew understands more of the messages than he communicates to everybody else, especially later when he finds the watch. Yeah, yep. Um, So we cut to Marcus deciding that he wants to add to the Knights of Lazarus to help protect the twins and the family. Yes. Um, Including Sarah and the twins. And um, Miriam. Finally. And Miriam and Chris. Yeah. Um, so now the Knights of Lazarus is not going to be just vampires. It's going to be. Well, it already had Hamish and. Um, That's true. And I think um, uh, the other Nate, I think he was sworn in. Oh, uh, yeah. In... I, I God, I completely forgot Nate was character. Yes. We said goodbye to them at the beginning and we they did. don't come back. We did. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he, at least he was in the book. So I'm assuming he was in the show. Like, yeah, while... no, no, he was. He was. Yes, yes. No, he definitely was because they talk about it in the modern day episodes in season two. Yeah. That was some of the stuff that we really liked. Yeah. So, yeah. 
There are some demons in there, but I can't remember if I don't think they ever had any humans. Not but I'm not that I'm aware of. Because I'm trying to remember, like they definitely didn't have any witches, right? Um, back in the day, like Sir Walter Raleigh wasn't a knight of Lazarus, was he? Oh, back in the day, that I don't know. I can't. Like part of me wants to say he was, but maybe not. But anyway, now we've definitely we've got the Scion. We've got expanded Knights of Lazarus for the family. It's great. Yes. Um, we Making have a quick plans. cut scene. <laughs> we have a quick cut scene where Benjamin, where, sorry, where Matthew finds the watch in Benjamin's coat. Mm-hmm. And we rec- realize that it was Philippe's watch. Yes. From 1922, which was not long before he died. Oh, in vampire years. Because he died in the 40s. I thought he died in the 30s. He died in World War II. Which is in the 30s. Okay, it started in like 38 or 39, but when I think of World War II, I think of 1945, which is the end of the war. So it I could guess have been it was 39. I thought it started earlier. I guess I think of the Nazis as being more in the 30s than in the 40s, if that makes sense. Because like their rise to power was in the 30s. Yeah, no, that's true. Yes, Philippe's watch. Benjamin had it. So we do then have just like a small moment where Fernando like officially joins the Scion. And I really enjoy that because it was a moment in the book where he, well, it was a little bit different, but he did join the Scion in the book. And he was like the first non-family member to mm-hmm. swear allegiance or what have you to Matthew. So I'm glad that they had that nice moment between them. And I kind of like him as, um, like, I, I feel like Fernando is the one who's got his shit together. Yes. <laughs> and he sees all these, not necessarily younger, but like vampires who don't have their shit together and takes responsibility over them. And I appreciate <sighs> that about him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is also where we get the scene, the new scene from the opening credits of the sword with the rings on it. Yes. And they all have their hands on it. And it's because that's they're doing the ceremony thing. I so. want to know what they do with Philip and Rebecca's ring. Well, Matthew took his. Because he was holding one of the babies and he took it. So I mm-hmm. I don't know. I said they're probably going to like stick it in a box somewhere yes. until they're old enough. <laughs> to wear them. Then we get a really random scene of Satu sitting okay. at her desk in front of the beautiful round circle window at the congregation. And then mm-hmm. she decides to get up. She, she doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. She gets up and decides to leave. And we see her on a boat leaving the congregation. So like, And, and that's it. Here's here's what I think this scene is about. Satu is finally realizing that Diana is the main character. <laughs> Satu realizes that Diana is the main character. Yeah, no, I like that. That's good. And she's pissed about it. Yeah. It just, it seemed odd to have right at the end of this episode. I think, well, sometimes, as we've talked about in previous episodes, they have to do these weird cuts mm-hmm. in order to shove everything into the one episode. Yeah. Are there seven or eight episodes? There are seven. Seven. So we've only got two left. Yeah. Oh, crap. Okay. All right. Well. We really only have two, like, big story beats left, so. that That's true. That's how it goes, which they fiddled with. But anyways, we'll talk <laughs> about that. Uh, we close the episode with Matthew and Diana about to have some sexy times. I wrote that down, too, and it made me realize that I guess more time has passed since the twins were born than I thought. Like, I genuinely thought twins were born. They took a couple days to recover. They went to Septur. But I guess it's been longer than that. Yeah, yeah. It has to have been. It it takes time to get that many people together. And I guess guess it takes time to, like, design invitations and mail them out. So, yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Um. Diana stops uh, because she can feel that Matthew is holding back and he's worried about things. He does what he does and he tries to make her promise not to go near Benjamin, which I'm surprised Diana didn't just laugh in his face. Um, well, she, she refuses. Yeah. And they don't really like come to some sort of like resolution here, but they don't care. They just go back to sexy times. Yeah. I mean, Diana realizes that Matthew's going after him. Right. And he should realize that she's not going to let him do that alone. Well, she does let him do it alone at first. We'll talk about that next episode. Okay. 
But we do get to end on a lovely note that they are just finally having good sexy times again. That's true. I just mean, based on this conversation, she's like, you're going after him, aren't you? I understand. Right. But he's all like, well, yeah, but I need you to promise that you're not going to do anything. And He says, if anything happens to me, if anything goes bad, I need you to promise not to go near him. She says, no, I'm not promising that. So it sounds to me like she's okay with him going by himself. But if something happens to him, she's absolutely going after him. Okay, fair enough. That's how I personally interpret the conversation. That makes sense. It's just, Diana has rarely let Matthew go do something dangerous by himself since Uh, they've been together. That's fair, but I mean, they've got kids now, somebody, and I know that they have 10 godparents who are more (laughs) than happy to stay with them. Right. But I I can see where, you know, thinking is a little bit different after you become parents. Okay, I'll give you that one. Yeah. I guess we shall see what happens next week. <laughs> yeah. I think I think in this episode all of my favorite parts are the babies. Um my favorite are Jack and the babies, like when they're together, when they're interacting together. Anytime he's adorable and they're adorable and they're adorable yeah. together. Yeah. Absolutely. This, this was a even though it had I'm Okay, so the darkest part of the season I think was in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, but it did but overall they, seem like a cute episode. Right. So I'm glad they put it in this episode because it's bookended by so much happiness and lightness. Yeah. Like, I, if they had to give it to us, this was the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want an entire episode of Benjamin torturing women. So I'm glad we didn't get that. No. And I'm I, glad we didn't physically get to see any of it either. Yes, it was largely, it was almost entirely off screen. So yeah. that's nice too. I guess I wish in general they went a little bit more in depth into his motivations and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But that's. Yeah, that that would be nice because while, what do, how do I want to say this? Like Benjamin has turned into the big bad, mm-hmm. but Benjamin has nothing to do with Diana and the book from where we started, like from what happened in yeah. the beginning of the first book. Like they merged, you know, because they met in book two and then all of these other things started to happen. And so Benjamin has turned into the big bad, but they haven't done a really great job in the show of bringing everything together. Yeah. Um, the book did really, really well. But the show still feels a little bit like we've got this one story over here and we've got this one story over here and it's just kind of all happening together. Yeah. I will say it doesn't, the show does do a good job of um, like, like while they are setting Benjamin up to be this big bad, they're not forgetting that the congregation is there and that, that the, the covenant is kind of also the big bad. Right. If that makes any sense. Which, yes, yeah, there's again, a lot yeah. going on here. Yeah. Which, yeah, the book did a better job of combining Benjamin's, him as a person and his motivations with why the covenant is a is also a bad thing and mm-hmm. how those two things come together. But I like that at least they're both still here in the show. Yeah. Because I think it would have been very tempting to just have a big action-packed sort of finale moment. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense with with Benjamin versus the Declaremonts or whatever, right? And that's not that's not the end of the story. Yeah, like, that's just a piece of it. Yeah. So yeah. Well, we'll get more into that next week. So, um, just wanted to quickly address an email that we got from. Oh no, Noemi. I really hope I pronounced your name right. And uh, she says, "Hi there. I know this is a few weeks early because." It came in a couple weeks ago. Um, but are you two equally disappointed by the lack of the vampitch Wimpire exchange in episode five? I would have loved to hear Teresa's delivery of and Matthew's face acting to that line. Besides that, and maybe the lack of the green bedroom from the book, I have no complaints for season three. Keep up the good work. And I, I think I wanted to read this email because it demonstrates that... The lack of the ridiculousness that the show has, which I think the book embraced a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when they're trying to, when they're talking about what could the babies be, and Diet is just like, they're a vamp witch or a vampire or something. <laughs> and I do kind of wish we got to see Matthew Good acting. Uh, 
that. That would have been yeah. fun. Like I think, like I can definitely see Teresa Palmer knocking that out of the park. But I, I would be really interested to see how Matthew Good would do that scene. Um, and just more of the ridiculousness that the book sort of embraced. Because the show is very serious, and I think mm -hmm. we could use some more lightheartedness, not just the cuteness that we get in this episode. Yeah, some... we don't get very much like silliness or humor in yeah. the show. I don't think I laughed at all this season. Well, no, maybe. But I don't think so. We could use some more laughter, and I think yeah. that would have been a fun moment. Um, and I'd actually completely forgotten about it before your email, so thank you for that. But like, just other things like how... In because they were in Madison for a while in the book, and the house was like forcing them to listen to um, Fleetwood Mac. I have no recollection of this. Oh, uh, that's one of my favorite parts in the book that the house is just randomly playing Fleetwood Mac for them all the time, <laughs> and Sarah is upset about it all the time. Yeah, it's great. So, I do wish the show had time to fit in more of the ridiculousness. Yes, I agree with that. Oh wholeheartedly well we would love to know what you think of season three so far you can tweet at us at desire made real or email us at desire made real pod at gmail.com i'm caitlin and you can follow me and find my other shows on twitter at inferior caitlin and I am Andy Kay, and you can find this show and all of the other Eloquent Gushing shows at eloquentgushing.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can give me a shout out on Twitter at Mandy Kay. Join us next week as we talk about episode six, when finally the book makes a reappearance. Until we meet again, remember that with every ending, there is a new beginning. Sorry, say that again. <laughs> I was not listening. <laughs> I understand you value our friendship and you listen to me when I talk. No, I um... do. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs>